We are fallen human beings, and we live in a fallen world. That means that we are regularly going to experience temptation. And if we don't deal with it in a godly way, there will be consequences. It may look like you want that, and it's going to give you so much pleasure and so much joy, so much happiness, so much contentment. But I'm telling you, when you bite on that hook, there's immediately panic. There's immediately a realization of what's really happening. You're being reeled in to your death. And the more you bite down on it, the more it gets ingrained, and the more that it becomes a part of who you are. The book of James was written in a no-nonsense, practical style, intended to warn Jewish Christians not to be swallowed up in a pagan way of life. And thankfully, he left us priceless wisdom on the nature of temptation so that we would learn to stay away from even the first stages of sin. How do you not even go down that route? How do you not even really, you know, think about that or dwell on that? Or how are you not even swayed by the lusts and the, the things that are in us? And how do you keep focus on the Lord? And what comes to mind is Psalm 119. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? It's by keeping his word. This is the 12th episode in our current series, A Firm Foundation. Today, we'll be looking at James chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. That's what's coming up. Here we go. Okay, so uh, this is the 12th episode in our series of Firm Foundation. Mm -hmm. I've got Skip Gavin with me. Skip is a biblical counselor here at Pure Life Ministries. Mm -hmm. How long have you been counseling? Oh, man, three and a half years, I would say. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, um, we want to dig into James chapter 1, verses uh, 12 to 15 in this segment, and uh, it's packed. As always, God's word is packed. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about context first. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's interesting because in studying this passage of Scripture, you know, James also talks about trials and temptations in the first couple of verses. And, you know, although he talks about endurance, he talks about the various trials, he doesn't say, like, what the results of enduring is until verse 12. Hmm. And so it's almost... Um, you know, almost like a hidden mystery of what does enduring, what's the result of that? Like, why do I endure? What do I get out of that if you're thinking in that kind of way? Sure. So if you don't mind, I want to read this section of Scripture. Yeah, go ahead. Um, 12 to 15. It says, A man who endures trials is blessed, because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to death. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So back in verse 12, you know, we're, we're clearly seeing that when you're enduring trials, you're actually blessed. And, you know, that only is exciting for the one who has a relationship with Jesus. Hmm. Because when you are enduring the trials and when you experience the blessing of God, man, what you're going to get at the end of when he comes back, when we see him one day, is the crown of life being promised to us because we love him. Hmm. And I really had a great time studying this 
because on one sense I see that what the result of living an enduring lifestyle is, but on the other side I saw how devastating sin is and the result of that is always going to be death. Yeah. And you know, with that, it's like my mind, in my mind, to me, endurance in the flesh and what I think it's gonna bring is that misery. I think it's gonna bring that sorrow. I think it's gonna bring that pain. And like I'm missing out on something, like God's holding out on me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that's really what sin brings. Sin brings the misery. Sin brings the sorrow. Sin brings that lasting pain and that reality that God is far from me. You know, so I enjoyed studying this because it was like water to my soul of like, man, enduring really brings life. Mm -hmm. Enduring really brings fellowship with God and with other people. Mm -hmm. Endurance really brings that genuine faith that I need to hold on to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that, I really saw the two different pictures, what endurance brings and what sin brings. And really, it's like, you know, Scripture already states that blessing comes through endurance. You know, so I don't know if would you have anything about that. Or yeah, I mean, as you were talking, it was just reminding me that James is writing to Jewish Christians mm. who are believers in Jesus, but they're not living in Palestine. Mm. So the danger for Jews who are not living in Palestine is being assimilated mm. into the cultures around them, right, and losing their distinctiveness. Mm. But they're also maybe exposed to more persecution or slander or gossip mm. or mm. some kind of, I don't know what you would say. They're just, they're just exposed to difficulty that people wouldn't be exposed to if they were living in Palestine. Mm. And so, you know, James with his pastor's heart is writing to them mm -hmm. to encourage them mm. to endure mm -hmm. through whatever they're going through. Yeah. And I think for all of us, we just, we, in the moment of trial or in the moment of testing, we struggle to believe mm -hmm. that this is actually going to do something good, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yep. So, yep. like, we, d I know for myself, a lot of times, when a trial comes or a test comes or a temptation comes, the, the fleshly reaction is discouragement, mm -hmm. despair, yep. murmuring and complaining, yep. or trying to figure out a way out of it in a way that's not real godly. Yeah. And I think his, James is like, listen, if you mix this trial mm. with faith yeah. and with joy, mm -hmm. which is what he says, yeah. count it all joy, my brothers. Yep. If you mix these things with faith and with joy, then what's going to come into you is an endurance. Mm -hmm. The test that the enemy means for evil, yeah. God will use for good yeah. to produce something wonderful in yeah. us. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, even for me, like when the trials come, my first thought isn't, oh, I'm going to have joy through this trial. Right. You know, it's almost as if that's all I'm seeing is that trial that's set before me. And it takes some time, you know, I love James 1, 19 and 20, you know, being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Because when I'm realizing that, man, like, what's behind this trial? What is God trying to do through this? He's not the author of the temptation, but he's trying to do something inside of my heart. And then, man, I've learned that in the trial, 
to kind of open my eyes a little bit to behind the scenes, what always gets me there is gratitude and the thanksgiving. Okay, so Lord, thank you that this trial is here to test where my heart is. Thank you, God, that you're here. And I'll get this, you know, get into this later on, sure. but like, thank you, God, that you're testing me, not tempting me, it's obviously it's not what you do, but you're trying to get me to a deeper faith and a deeper reliance and dependence on you. But it doesn't start there for me, you know? Right. There's a time <laughs> of really going through it and talking it out with a spiritual authority or talking about it to a friend to help me get my mind clear of that, you know? Because my first reaction is still this, do this, do this, or what about this? It's very, it's almost like that lust that we feel sometimes, that driving force, and that tends to be all that you see, you know? But the more that the Lord puts that endurance in you, you it does get easier to really see what he's doing behind the scenes. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's why, again, I think the Word of God is so important, mm -hmm. right? Because when you go to a spiritual authority, like a good spiritual authority is not gonna point you to his opinions. Yeah his yep. feelings, yeah. he's going to point you to the Word of God yep. because that is what reveals mm -hmm. the reality of the situation, mm -hmm. that whatever's coming into your life in this moment is not for your destruction. Mm -hmm. This is for your good. Yeah. And so here's how we you know, apply God's wisdom to the situation. Like you said, mm -hmm. how can I be more grateful? Yeah. How can I lean into trusting God mm -hmm. yeah. and not just leaning up to my own understanding? Yeah. And that's what the Word of God does. Like yeah. without God's Word, mm -hmm. how are we going to know that this thing that's coming at me can be used for good? Yeah, yeah. Which is why, like, I mean, just kind of thinking off the top of my head, like, I mean, depression, right? Or anxiety. Um, or fear, or the temptation to get things. Like for me, it was clothes, yeah. for example. There's some temptation in that to, oh, I need this, I need that, I need this. If I didn't have the Word of God, if I'm leaning into myself and my flesh, we talk about the spiral of degradation, the more that I do that, those things were just increased. The fear is going to increase. The despair is going to increase. The discouragement is going to increase. And then what's around the corner, well, man, why am I here then? But that's where the Word of God comes in. It refreshes the soul. You know, um, Psalm 34 talks about taste and see that the Lord is good. I feel like in trials and temptation, we get an opportunity to do that. Because if we're not tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, then we're leaning into our own understanding, you know? So with that verse, I have to taste and see, man, okay, if I get through this with you, Lord, if I endure because you're with me and I know that you're doing something through this, I'm gonna see your goodness through this. So you're right, like the word of God has to be a part of why we endure. So back, I mean, I'm back to verse 12. Okay. Um, what I did to study this, um, I like to do word studies. I like to see, you know, first if the Lord is highlighting my eyes and my mind to a certain word or a certain phrase, just to study them. So the, the word that stuck out to me was that word blessed in verse 12. You know, we always talk about that. Blessed, you know, how are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed and highly favored. What does that mean? You know, <laughs> right. like, what are right. we saying? But really, you know, what that word means, it's the same word used in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, but I'll read just some different translations so you can hear it um, with that word blessed, and I'll use some different synonyms with that word. Okay. So it says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That's the ESV. It uses blessed. This is the Living Bible. It says, happy 
is the man who doesn't give in and do wrong when he is tempted. For afterwards, he will get as his reward the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Another version, again, it uses happy. Happy is the person who can hold up under the trials of life. At the right time, he'll know God's sweet approval and will be crowned with life. As God has promised, the crown awaits for all who love him. So I did a little study on this word blessed and mm -hmm. wanted to find some biblical synonyms. And these are some synonyms that I found. It, happy, fortunate, well off, supremely blessed. Again, it's the same, used, or same word that's used in the Beatitudes. And to me, that goes up against what I normally think about that word blessed. Because to me, blessed is, okay, I'm going to get all that I want. Right. I'm going to gain possessions. I'm going to get all the things I know that God wants to do. It's almost like that prosperity gospel in a way, you know, if we're not careful. But, you know, really it's, man, I am supremely happy on the inside, in my inside world. It doesn't matter what's going on on the outside, all the circumstances, because trials are going to come up in this life, but how much more when I'm enduring, I'm going to experience an inward freedom. The more I endure, the more freedom I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have on the inside. And I feel like the fallacy that we all face, again, is that when we endure, if we endure, our main thought is, I'm going to just endure this suffering. Man, you know, I'm going to endure this groaning. I'm going to endure and just kind of stifle down and stuff it down. Man, that's not what God's after at all, you know? You know, really... The goal of enduring trials is that, man, I can really have a deeper faith, a deeper walk, and really experience the blessedness with Jesus that he's in. He endured. He endured, you know, the cross. He endured all those things, and yet he was so happy, blessed on the inside. Yeah. So the more I'm enduring, the more I'm going to experience that blessedness on the inside. Yeah, I was thinking of Romans mm -hmm. chapter 5 when, when I was reading through this passage, because that says, if I can get there, yeah. that says not only that, meaning rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God, mm. not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, mm. knowing that suffering produces endurance, mm. and endurance produces character, mm. and character produces hope, mm. and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That's the ESV. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. The, the fallacy is that, I mean, if we think about hopes, hope just sounds great, right? Mm -hmm. And we think, oh, okay, how do I get there to this vibrant hope? It's yeah. like, I don't want any, any trouble. I don't want any pain. I don't want any problems. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll get what I want, yeah. you know, and, and I'll have this full life. And the Bible, again, is showing us the reality of things. So it's saying, no, 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 oh, that's not the way to real hope. That's yeah. not the way to this yeah. abundant life. The mm -hmm. way to this abundant life is not only through suffering, mm -hmm. but there is going to be these these times, these moments, these seasons when yeah. the path to hope mm -hmm. goes through suffering and trial. Mm -hmm. And we can totally get derailed if we th start thinking, why would God do this to me? Or mm -hmm. I guess God doesn't love me or whatever it might be. Yeah. 
and I'm not, nobody's saying it's easy. It's right. not easy. Yeah, for sure. But I think we just have to realize that that is the pathway mm-hmm. through that what really brings hope, yeah. according to Paul in Romans 5 and mm-hmm. James, what really brings hope is enduring mm-hmm. through suffering so that what you get is this proven character. Yeah, yep. Yep. That's what leads to hope mm-hmm. is, like you're saying, becoming mm-hmm. like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. just getting a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting because you would think it would say, blessed is the man who doesn't experience temptation at all. You know? Right. Or blessed is the one who finds it easy to conquer. No, there's a, a delight, there's a joy in enduring as Christ endured. You know? And yeah, mm. you're right. It's like, man, wow. we have to have those trials. We have to have those times to where we are going through it, you know, because I feel like the hope isn't just for us. The hope is for someone else, you know. If I'm, you know, in a certain lifestyle or if I'm doing a certain type of sin and I find someone who has conquered that or overcome that because they've endured or because they've gone through and endured through, I'm going to see, man, it's possible. There's hope because that person got through it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just for us. You know, I'm reminded of my, one of my favorite scriptures, 2 Corinthians 1. It talks about he's the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our afflictions, in our trials, so that we can comfort others in that same trial. You know, and so, yeah, it, the hope is for us, but it's also how can we get others to hope mm-hmm. and how can we usher them into a new life with Christ. So good. You know? So the next thing that I was thinking about, I like to ask myself questions as I'm reading the Word and kind of interacting with it. And the question came up, what do I do when I experience that trial? Or what do I do when I experience that temptation? You know, I said before, James 1, 19 and 20, being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Man, if the Lord can get me there quicker, <laughs> the better, right. you know, because I have no time to dwell on that temptation or dwell on that trial or dwell, why, Lord, why, and blame him. You know, he's not the author of the temptation. Mm. Um, You know, so being quick to hear, okay, Lord, like, what is going on and why am I experiencing this? Okay, search me. Search my heart. Is there any way that offends you in this temptation or is this this trial? Okay, slow to speak. I'm not going to blaspheme your name. I'm not going to blame so-and-so or so-and-so. No, you know, I'm going to be slow to anger. Because that's usually what happens to me. If there's a trial, I tend to go from zero to 100 quickly, you know, with anger. With, man, why is this happening? What are you doing? You're not good. You're not. I'm raising my fist. No. Woo. You know, the Lord is helping me to to turn from that. Mm. And in that turning, there's the cry for help. In that trial, in that temptation, you know, Lord, help me with this. Help me. Only you can do that. Only you're able to really conquer this desire or conquer this temptation or, or help me through this trial. Help me to endure. We're, we're weak, you know. We're frail. So the more that I'm crying out to the Lord, that's my spiritual worship. You know, Lord, here, take me. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to still worship you. I'm going to still act as if, you know, you're still on the throne. You sat at the the time of the flood, and you still are enthroned today. So this problem, this trial, this issue is not too big for you. So it's really speaking the truth from the Word of God. If the Word of God is our basis of truth, we have to use it. We have to yield it as a sword. Humbling myself before God with gratitude, with thanksgiving, that can change the inward flow immediately. You know, and sometimes you straight up run from the temptation. 
if it's a temptation, but if it's a try on, you can't really run from it. You really, you, there is a running from self, you know, running towards God, running towards his throne room and really humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, just help, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember there was a, something that I went through about eight or nine years ago mm-hmm. that I don't talk about a whole lot anymore, mm-hmm. but I went through a very difficult period where it was like the Lord warned me about it. He mm-hmm. said, you're going to go through a difficult period. Mm-hmm. It was confirmed in a number of ways, and mm-hmm. I had no idea what that meant. And then when it came, I was just blindsided by mm-hmm. how hard it was. And I went from that, I went through a period of just very strong unbelief. Mm. I was having blasphemous thoughts Mm. constantly. I was hardly eating. I wasn't sleeping very well. I couldn't focus. I just was, Mm. I felt like I was losing my mind. I was Mm. convinced that I was on my way to hell. Mm. And this was after I went through the Pure Life program. I was on staff. And I remember that I went through that period for months and was doing all of the wrong things. Like I was not handling this trial mm. well at all, mm. you know? But then eventually the Lord really broke through through mm. Pastor Jeff and Pastor Steve, and they just mm. like confronted me. Mm. This is what you are going to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And it was just all biblical. And so I started doing it. Yeah. And it took a couple of months to kind of get out of the hole that I had crawled into. But at the end of that trial, what I, um, I don't know how to say it, like the outcome of that trial was mm. just so much praise mm. to God, yeah. Yeah. so much gratitude yeah. that I had, mm-hmm. that he had allowed me to go into it mm-hmm. and that he had been patient and long-suffering with me yeah. while I just totally like fell apart wow. and that mm. he had, I mean, I, it's one of the most precious periods of my life mm-hmm. to think back on because mm-hmm. it's like... He revealed so much to me about who he is, mm-hmm. how good he is, how faithful he is, you know, mm-hmm. that in my my most desperate moments yep. when I thought it was all going down, when I was going down, like he was faithful mm-hmm. to me yeah. and good and kind. Mm-hmm. And now when I speak to people who are going through something very similar, mm-hmm. there's just a there's a wellspring of I don't know, encouragement Mm -hmm. that I can share with other people because I've been through it Mm -hmm. and God was so good to me. I learned so much about him Mm -hmm. through that time. It's just very precious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, as you're talking, what comes to mind is um, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, therefore we do not give up. Though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, I mean, you saw firsthand your trial, but look at what you gained out of that trial. And it's almost like you don't say this like during the trial, but afterward it's like, I would actually go through that again to get a greater sight of Jesus and who he is, the faithfulness, the mercy. And that's really, when you're going through a trial, I have to remember this, like, what am I forfeiting if I take the exit route out of this trial? Hmm. I'm forfeiting seeing the kindness of God. 
I'm forfeiting having a testimony for someone else to get to the Lord. I'm forfeiting seeing his mercy. I'm forfeiting seeing an opportunity to see his keeping power. I'm forfeiting fellowship with him and with others. You know, and so I have to come to the conclusion of, man, I'm resisting something all the time. Either I'm resisting my flesh and my desires and the enemy, or I'm resisting God and his mercy. So in a trial, I have to know, okay, like this is going to cause me at some level to resist my flesh, the desire, even my own thoughts, you know, or the condemnation, whatever that might be. So I have to know that, man, I want to see the kindness of God. I want to see more mercy. I want to have a greater depth of who he is and what he wants to do and how he suffered. There's fellowship in that. Hmm. So if I want fellowship with the Lord, then the route that I have to take, like you were saying earlier, is to endure. You know, I saw this quote from Spurgeon, and he says, those who endure temptation rightly endure it because they love God. Mm. They say to themselves, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? They cannot fall into sin because it would grieve him who loves them so well and whom they love with all their hearts. So really, there has to be a love relationship with Jesus. You know, it's almost like if I can kind of put it with human terms of a father and a son. You know, if my dad comes to me and says like, hey, look, you know, you know your mom is sick and it's going to be a trial for you, but I'm here. I'm not going to stiff on my, my dad and say, no, you're not good. Like, how can you let this happen to her? How can you not want to fight for her? I'm not gonna do that, I'm gonna say, hey, okay, what do we have to do? Let's pray together, let's commune together, let's see what the best plan is to get her well. I'm gonna work with my dad, I'm not gonna stiff arm him, I'm not gonna resist him, because I love him, because I know that he has love for my mom as well too. So it has to be some sort of deep fellowship with the Lord at a greater level, and I think even in trial, that's how we get to love Jesus even more, because we know, okay, he's done this before, and he's gonna do it again. So I have to stick with him, you know? Mm. So from there, we talked about verse 12, and I want to get to verse 13 through 16, really how temptation works. This is kind of like the grand plan of how the enemy wants to tempt us and what we can expect if we give over to that sin or mm -hmm. temptation. I'm just going to read it again. It says, when someone is tempted, he shouldn't say that God is tempting him. God can't be tempted by evil, and God doesn't tempt anyone. Everyone is tempted by his own desires as they lure him away and trap him. Then desire becomes pregnant and gives birth to sin. When sin grows up, it gives birth to death. So again, what I like to do is, you know, ask the Lord, is there any word or phrase that's highlighting or standing out to me? And it was that word desire. Mm. It's twice in that, those three verses. And, you know, to me, okay, desire at face value, it's like, okay, a want, maybe something that I think that I need, maybe something that I am, you know, have a desire or intense craving to get. But really, again, biblical synonyms for that word, the first one that comes up is lust, a craving, a longing, desire for what is forbidden. I love this word. I didn't know what it was, so I had to look it up. Concupiscence. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, str a strong, on. right? I was like, wow, vocab, okay. <laughs> it's a, a strong sexual desire. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really what that's saying, it's okay. Everyone is tempted by his own lust, by his own desire for what is 
forbidden, his own concupiscence that lure him away and trap him. Then that same lust, that same craving, that same longing, that same desire for what is forbidden becomes pregnant and gives birth to sin. Mm-hmm. So really, we're saying like when we're tempted, it's because of our own cravings, our own lust, you know, and that's hard for especially people coming into the program. You know, they want to blame every other thing except themselves, you know, and really say, it's me. Yeah. And I had that problem, too, in the program, like, it's my parents. It's the church that I came out of. It's all of the things in the world. It's because I didn't get my bills paid. Everyone, woe is me mentality, you know. But when you really see it, like the word is plain, and it's plain to us that it's because of my desires that I'm being lured away. It's not God. It's not outer circumstances, you know. Right. Yeah. The thing that maybe... The thing that's helped me about that is that when God shows me that what's really going on mm-hmm. is that my desires are wrong, okay, yeah, that's maybe confronting. It's like, I'm the problem. But it's also like, oh, okay, then what I need is new desires. Mm-hmm. So, okay, like, Jesus, give me new desires, Mm -hmm. you know? Give me a desire for you. Give me a desire for others. Give me a desire for your word. Give me a desire for good things because, man, if I can be... If my fallen nature is driven by this fallen desire, Mm -hmm. whatever that might be for security, comfort, relationships, money, fame, you know, Mm -hmm. then... If the desires in my new nature are cultivated, mm-hmm. they become stronger. Mm-hmm. I can actually become driven mm-hmm. toward good things yeah. by cultivating a good desire. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that I have to spend my whole life and all my all my energy trying to manage my sin. Mm-hmm. I gotta yeah. get the best filter yeah. and I gotta get yep. accountability That's in place. And sure. ah, you know, it's yep. just like, come on, let's just get new desires. Mm-hmm. Let's cultivate those new desires. Exactly. And- that's cr- yeah, exactly. I mean, it's interesting because, and when that happens over time of you receiving those new desires, what you were saying earlier really becomes the forefront praise and gratitude and thanksgiving to Jesus because we know that the problem can't be the solution. You know, mm. we can't be our own, we can't fix our own problems. So it has to be the Spirit who gives us new desires that are opposite of our natural inclination. You know, and so what you're asking though for biblical confrontation in the inside world. We have to have our heart circumcised. (laughs) We have to have those cuts because the Lord knows exactly what to prick, what to pry, what to get out of us so that he can put those new desires in. How does that happen? Confession, repentance. It happens by really going to the Lord and saying, Lord, look, I have this desire. This is true. I don't want that desire. I want you, and I know that in order to have you, these are the things that you want me to have. So take me through that process. And yes, there's pain. Yes, there's suffering. But man, he's the great surgeon and he knows what to cut. He knows what to suture up. You know, he knows what to replace. And, you know, there's a saying that we have in the Lazarus dorm when you come to the campus. And it's like something like, you know, if something hurts, you know, what place or what part of your miserable flesh is still a part of you? You know, yeah. that's what happens. But we have to have that circumcision of heart because by nature, we're hard hearted. Right. In order to have those new desires, we have to have the Lord do that inside work. And yes, it's painful, but I'm telling you, like the result of that is life. The result of going through the, and we think confrontation is like really hard. No, it could be so loving 
and you know, so revealing of Jesus's character, and so he has so much grace when he confronts your mm. sin, when he confronts your heart in prayer and communion, you know, and yeah, I mean, what you're saying is true. Like, I, that's just another a part of that. Like, we have to be confronted with our nature in order to really have a new nature. Mm. You know? Yeah, mm. that's good. You know, mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's helpful too because, okay, let's say that you're kind of brand new to Christianity or like you've, You've really repented, mm-hmm. right? And that repentance is real. That turning is real. Yeah. But you've still got just all of these cravings, yeah. and you feel the war, mm-hmm. you know, where before you were just, we're just going with our desires. We're sure. just doing whatever we want. Yeah. Now you've kind of done the about face, and now you're fighting against those desires, mm-hmm. and it feels overwhelming. Like, I am never going to be free. Mm-hmm. This is just like in a way to know that I've got to fight against everything that's in me can be kind of miserable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, man, what can I do? Cause mm-hmm. everything that's in me, I like, I want all this mm-hmm. stuff that's bad or whatever. Yeah. But God is promising like in this, he says, blessed is the man who remains mm-hmm. steadfast under trough for when he has stood the test, mm-hmm. he will receive the yeah. crown of life. Yeah. So that process of fighting against your own desires is hard at first, Mm -hmm. and then it gets a little easier, a little easier, a little easier, and then you start to reap Mm -hmm. the blessings Mm -hmm. of that war, Mm -hmm. which is just, it's peace and joy and love and... It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, like it the the thing that the devil mm-hmm. says, you'll never have peace unless, and joy yeah. unless you get what you want. Mm-hmm. It's such a lie. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It's crazy as you're thinking that, or as you're saying that, I'm thinking in my mind just some different things that the Lord has brought me through that I never thought he would overcome in me and that I would be walking in a complete freedom from those things. You know, without getting into too much, like I just think with sexual sin in general or even wanting things of the world and wanting, you know, to have that entertainment or wanting to go out and just, well, I could do this. It's not necessarily, necessarily sinful, but it would make me have fun. Those were the things that I lived for. Those are the things that I never thought the flow would change. Even after the program, there still seemed to be this, oh, I could do that, or I could do this, and I could go here and there. But I'm telling you, even as of last week, I thought, it was a conscious thought of like, man, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go out and just have fun, even though I could, and it's not sinful. It's still the flow that I was in, right. just in a different direction. And I realized, I said, wow, the Lord is doing something. Yeah. The Lord is, is really helping me to receive that peace with being content with what he, he has given me. And I feel like in those trials and going through, even if you don't think you're going through it the best, he really helps you to get through that trial. It may begin ugly, but, <laughs> you know, right. but it, right. it always ends with the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You know, and so I think that we have to know, though, it's like, okay, we have to get dealt with. It's us. It's our flesh. It's our desires that are corrupt that have to change. But, you know, really what I see is that the Lord is through those trials and through those, you know, things that we go through. He's really trying to keep us from the spirit of the world. 
he's really trying to keep us because it's getting darker. You know, I was at a, um, a function last week at a wedding and I just saw from my own eyes, the world is going in one direction. Ooh, yeah. And you have to stand firm. And it really is those trials that, that help us to get through that um, because everything else seems easier, you know, when you're actually enduring through. Like you were saying earlier, like the more that you are denying self, the more that you are enduring, the easier it does get. You know, and I want to read this verse 14. Um, it says, everyone is tempted by his own desires because they lure him away and trap him. In setting this, I love the word of God because it gives so much like pictures, word pictures. And it's actually a metaphor that's taken from a fish enticed by a bait and mm. drawn after that bait. So what I get from that is it may look attractive. It may look appealing. It may look like you want that and it's going to give you so much pleasure and so much joy, so much happiness, so much contentment. But I'm telling you, when you bite on that hook, there's immediately panic. There's immediately strife, contention. There's immediately a realization of what's really happening. You're being reeled in to your death. And the more you bite down on it, the more it gets ingrained. And the more that it becomes a part of who you are. You know, and that's, I feel like, a good picture of what sin does. Because when you're looking at that bait, you don't think, oh, like, I'm going to die from... No, your immediate thought is, oh, I want that, so I'm going to you know, swim after it. I'm going to go after it. But we have to know the ahari, the mm -hmm. end of the matter. Like the end of that is I'm going to get hurt. It's going to hurt my relationship with God and other people. I'm not going to be fulfilled. It's going to create this contention on the inside of me. It's going to cause this biting sensation of I got to have something more. It's never going to be satisfied. So I think that's a good picture of what James is, you know, really trying mm -hmm. to say. Yeah, and he, I think he's showing that... If you're living in a state of frustration, mm. anxiety, mm. this sense of just, I'm craving something and I'm mm. not satisfied and I need more and more and more, you have to ask yourself, what is the thing mm. that I am craving right now? Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that I'm pursuing? Yeah. Because what you're seeing on the inside is that there's a hook in your yeah. inner man, right? Right, yeah. and that's where the anxiety and the fear and the worry are coming from. It's yeah. this is not just, I don't know. It's not coincidental. Mm -hmm. There's something you want mm -hmm. and something you've been pursuing, something mm -hmm. you are intensely focused on. That's yeah. that desire, that lust, mm -hmm. and in that thing is a hook, mm -hmm. and it's taking you somewhere. Yeah. And I know, like. Man, the Lord has dealt with me on this before because mm. I've, even as a Christian, mm. there have definitely been those seasons where there's been something that I've latched my focus sure. onto. Yeah. And then inside, here's the misery, the emptiness, yeah. yep. the, the just the discontent. And then mm. it's like, how did I get here? Mm. And then you're like, because there was that thing you were pursuing. Yeah. And it wasn't like just horrible yeah. sin. Right. It was just a thing that mm -hmm. I got my focus off of the Lord, mm -hmm. my focus off of what he had for me, yeah. and I started craving that thing, and the enemy mm -hmm. just used that to kind of yep. draw me away. Yeah, yeah. And anything, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, man, anything could become an idol to us, you know, because I think like that thing that we're craving really becomes something that takes God's place. And, you know, it's like if we're in that, then you're going to see a lot of fruit of, 
you know, the flesh. You're going to see a yep. lot of fruit of what that idolatry yep. really is about, you know, and so that really helps us to see, like, if I lust after this, if I crave after this thing, what's the result of that going to be? I'm going to look like that thing. You know, I'm mm. going to look more and more like this, you know, sexual idolatry. I'm going to look more like this, I don't know, entertainment, what, the media, the world. Yeah. And even as a Christian, when you're in that, I love that, like, the Holy Spirit really starts to speak to you, like, you're starting to get a little bit more um, like that, or you're starting to be a little bit, you're not having a hunger and thirst after righteousness, maybe there's something wrong. So, you know, when you start to sense that in your spirit, man, it's like, okay, yeah, I got to pull back. Mm -hmm. Or Lord, show me what that is. And why am I going after that? Why don't I, why am I not getting this in you? What is wrong with my desire? What's wrong with my heart? And there's always repentance. There's always, you know, an opportunity to come back to the Lord. Which brings me to, you know, um, this Adam Clark quote. He says, James represents men's lust as a harlot which entices their understanding and will and puts into it impure embraces, and from that conjunction conceives sin. Sin being brought forth immediately acts and is nourished by frequent repetition until at length it gains such strength that it in its turn begets death. This mm-hmm. is the true genealogy of sin and death. That, I mean, when I read that, it was like, wow. That literally is the lineage, you know, what we get when sin and death are involved in our inside life, man, Mm. it really does something. Man, it's like the lust in us and the craving for that sin team up. And the result of that is, man, you can really start from somewhere that you don't think that you can start from and you end up somewhere that you don't want to end up. And literally, that is just the lineage of what we get when we're in that sin. It it really does beget death, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So what I wanted to do further is look at the conception of sin. I thought this was really interesting. I don't know if you know, I love the medical field. I was going to be a physician's assistant at one point. I worked at a pharmacy for nine months. I love everything about the body and how it works. And I thought, hey, look, like, why don't I just see like, okay, I don't know if James was like into medical stuff or whatever, but it <laughs> seems like he, you know, thought about that conception from a human standpoint versus spiritual. And so I wanted to mm. do a medical examination of conception of sin versus conception at birth and see the similarities. Come so, on, yeah, doctor. I yeah, it's like, let me get my little pad. Um, so really... <laughs> if any doctors are watching, <laughs> right. and we're like, off, uh, just, you know, I'm not, give us some grace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> So I'll do the best that I can. <laughs> but um, so here's what I, you know, just kind of saw. So first, like with a desire, you know, desire is always um, preceded by a thought. So a thought in our heart, a thought in our mind, for instance, I want chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So, I, you know, not sinful or anything, but I just want chocolate cake. Yep. Then immediately what follows is the desire, that craving, that intense mm. longing to get that chocolate cake. And so what happens, the thought and the desire conceive, and it starts to grow this plan of how I'm going to get that chocolate cake. It begins to be, you know, just like a baby, growing with all of the features of, man, okay, if I get that chocolate cake, it's going to, I'm going to be comforted. Man, if I get that chocolate cake, I'm really, maybe I'll lose or gain a few pounds, but I don't care about that. Like, I just, I want the taste. I want the big, everything just becomes enlarged. And just like at conception, when the male and female come together and that baby starts to grow, 
man, it's gonna really grow at the rate of how that conception actually started. Desire is gonna start because of that. And so just as, um, just as my lust or whatever grows on the inside, it's the same thing as that baby grows as an exponential rate in the first couple of months. In a human birth, conception can take days or even take hours to happen to occur. And I didn't know that. I thought right at the moment of conception, that's really when it happens, but it can take some time for that. So just in a spiritual sense, our desires and our thoughts can kind of swirl around each other, and it could take hours to days to weeks until that thing sets in us and really starts to form that conception moment of, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what I'm thinking and I'm going to do what I'm dwelling on. And we've all kind of felt that, that anxiety on the inside of, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. But I thought that was interesting that just as a human birth takes some time to grow and start to, um, you know, that conception moment, it's the same thing spiritually that if we're not careful and we allow those thoughts and those desires to fester, it's imminent that we're going to do what's been inside of our heart. Just as conception, you can't stop that birth from happening when conception happens. You can't stop the birth from happening at the conception of when sin starts to grow. You have to cut it off before it even gets to the conception. I hope I'm doing okay right now, doctors. Um, <laughs> but, you know, also, you know, when the baby is successfully conceived, it begins to multiply into a multi-celled embryo. So it must implant itself into the mother where it'll, be, it'll begin the growing process. Mm -hmm. So again, in a spiritual sense, when sin has been conceived, you're going to start to see it grow into a multi-celled, you know, um, fruits of sin. You're going to start to see pride. You're going to start to see selfishness. You're going to start, it's going to grow in you anger. It's going to grow in you apathy. It's going to grow in you less love for the Lord and more of a craving for the world. And that's just going to grow and grow and grow until you give birth to that. Oh, yeah. This is so good. Yeah. Right? Because, well, I think this is true. Yeah. <laughs> but the egg from the mother, mm -hmm. the sperm from the father, mm -hmm. I believe, you know, in that once, once you have conception, all the genetic information is present mm -hmm. in that moment, but mm -hmm. then it's going to take time for it to to develop, yeah, right? So yep. the thing you have at the beginning is not what it's going to look like at the end, but mm. all of all that is in that child genetically speaking mm -hmm. was there from the very beginning. Yeah. Right? So like when you think about sin, what we want and the temptation or, or the deception mm. is like the enemy says, "Ooh, if you get that, mm. you're going to be happy." Yeah. But what's actually in the sin mm. is, like you said, mm. the anger, the depression, mm -hmm. the, the jealousy, the yeah. envy. It's all in there, yeah. but it hasn't developed yet. Mm -hmm. And as you allow that process to happen, yeah. it's there. It's just going to get – it's going to grow. Mm -hmm. And then we ask ourselves, man, why am I so whatever? It was like God's telling us mm -hmm. this – this thing, when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Yeah. We don't believe that. 
we think, no, nah, I can do this without all the consequences. And but, have a relationship with the Lord at the same time. Yeah, you know, for sure. That's the deception is that for I'm sure. doing all these things in the world and I'm sinning and I'm continuing in sin, but I can still have a relationship with God. Like that's a complete lie because here we see like how do you have all the fruits of living in sin but yet you're trying to live a lifestyle in God? The two don't mesh. They yeah. don't mix, you know. And that was what you were saying about like the makeup of, you know, it's not what it starts off is totally different from what it ends. You know, in a, in a pregnancy, there are signs and symptoms that the woman has conceived. You know, she's going to experience physical sensitivity. She's going to experience bloating. She's going to experience some moodiness. She's going to experience feeling tired. But it's the same thing, spiritually speaking. There are signs and symptoms when we've conceived sin. Hmm. There's going to be a sensuality that's increased. There's going to be anger that's increased. There's going to be a wanting to flesh out, you know, and maybe it's entertainment. Maybe it's media. Maybe you want to give over fully and just, you know, just all, you know, bars over, you know, just like really wanting to give over. There's going to be a waning love for the Lord. There's going to be laziness and apathy towards spiritual yep. disciplines. There's going to be conviction and grief, you know, because then that's where the labor pains are going to start to happen, you know. Hmm. Um, so just as the woman is feeling those symptoms, we can kind of really see where our relationship with the Lord is, even as a Christian or for an unbeliever, we can really start to see, man, like I'm starting to really see such and such, or I'm starting to do such, why am I doing that? And that's, I feel like what the Lord is showing us, like if you're experiencing some of these signs and symptoms, you've already conceived. Wow, yeah. Man, that's so good. <laughs> you know, and really it's like, okay, so the question I had was, well, how do you prevent the conception? How do you not even go down that route? How do you not even really, you know, think about that or dwell on that? Or how are you not even swayed by the lusts and the, the things that are in us? And how do you keep focus on the Lord? And what comes to mind is Psalm 119. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? It's by keeping his word. Mm. For me, over the last six years, man, it is a huge difference. When I am consistently in the word of God, there is fruit of that. There is joy. There is contentment. There is not even a thought to look at sin or look at something pleasurable. It is all about seeing Jesus. When I'm mm. in the Word of God, there is something that happens on the inside of me. There's a rest. There is, I don't know any other way to explain it other than there is a settling on the inside of me. And I feel like it's just a foundation being laid over and over with Jesus in the Word of God. So that's how really we can keep our way pure. But also, like, how do you prevent the labor pains? How do you prevent the pregnancy? Well, it, we have to know the truth, and the truth is going to set us free. But we also have to put these spiritual disciplines in place so that we don't fall away. You know, it is continuing to cry out. It is continuing to endure. It is continuing to know that verse you read earlier. It says, knowing that the trial, what is the, the trial is going to do? It's going right. to produce character. It's going to produce hope for somebody else. We have to know that. That's our starting and our end point, you know. We also have to have a deep fellowship with the Lord, a deeper love and commitment to Him in obedience and worship. You know, we have to fight for a pure heart. We have to fight to see the Lord, to walk in the light. We have to walk in repentance from those corrupt desires, and we have to get them dealt with. Yeah. It's not enough just to turn from them. We have to turn and forsake. A lot of the forsaking has to do with I have to bring these things to the light. I have to bring these things to surface so my self-life can die over and over again, mm -hmm. you know. And ultimately, we just have to grow daily in our love for the Lord and have communion with Him. I think the reality is that 
we can't afford as Christians to have hidden pregnancies. We don't have the opportunity to conceive from our desire and try to hide it. It's going to show up in some kind of way. For the spiritually discerning, they're going to know, man, okay, you've been doing this. You've been sensing this. You've, As a counselor, that's my job, you right, know? Right, But if more so for ourselves, we have to be able to keep in step with the Lord and what He's doing, and that's only going to happen through a real deep relationship with Him. Yeah. Well, now I know that this passage is really just talking about sin, but yeah. it's, it's really talking about the growth of something in us mm. that brings forth death. And I, I think we could definitely take this whole process mm. and apply it to Christ being formed in us, mm. right? Yeah, so like sure. yeah. when I have a thought, a godly thought, it can stir up a godly desire. Mm. Mm-hmm. And those two things can come together, that mm. thought and that godly desire can come together and move me in a way, like move my body to fulfill that thought and that desire. And when that happens, when my will engages to fulfill that godly thing, then something is birthed in me, you know? Mm, And then that can begin to grow Mm. as long as I don't allow sin to abort it. You know, Mm, it's like they are total enemies. Sin is going to abort the process of God in us, or God's Spirit is going to abort sin. So what path am I on? Like, Mm. is Christ being formed in me, Mm. or is sin being formed in me? Mm. And it's just awesome because, like, if I would, like you were just saying about being in the Word of God, if I would be in the Word of God every single day, that is filling my mind with God's thoughts, Mm -hmm. and the Spirit is creating these desires, Mm -hmm. and then... I'm allowing Christ to be formed in me, wow. and it's whatever. It's a struggle. It is hard, mm-hmm. but you should see like a trajectory mm-hmm. where Christ is growing in you more and more, yeah. and sin is being put to death more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's I never thought about it like that. The opposite side or the other side of what the Lord is showing to us, and I've, I'm a witness to that. Like when I started reading the Word in the program, it was difficult because I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what I was even reading. Nothing made sense. But it wasn't that I just, okay, picked it up and just closed it. I had to endure even the blindness, even the not knowing what I'm reading. I asked the Lord, Lord, like just, if you will like reveal this to me, reveal your word. And I will tell you over those six months that was very pivotal in my program, what was growing inside of me was that knowledge of just who Jesus, who God, who the Holy Spirit was. And I found myself in my times where I would usually have been giving over to sin. Those times and that place, that time of lonely, you know, where I could have just been in myself, those began to be the times when I read his word. It wasn't like this choice of, I'm going to read the word. It was already in me to do. I had to feed that person that was on the inside that was saying, you need more of this. You need more of the Lord. You need more. And it was out of just my response of, show me. You know, and so I agree with you. Like, that's really good what you're saying. Like, yeah, we see the the cycle of what sin does and how that's birthed. But man, how much more so when you're almost like pregnant with the Word of God, 
and you're wanting to deliver that because then that, like we're reading, or Adam Clark says about the genealogy of sin and death, then there becomes a whole new genealogy of life. And that's gonna be passed down to other people, you know? So yeah, that's, I never thought about it, but that's really good. Bam. Boom. 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 Come on. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's cool. So um, hopefully everybody really got something that they can yeah. focus on. Just end the encouragement, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. let sin die yeah. and let the Lord form Christ in us. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, thanks Great. a lot. Yeah, thanks. All right, that's it for this episode. Believe it or not, we have only got one episode left in this series. Next week, Pastor Ed Book and I will be looking at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. So study up, come ready to dive into God's matchless word. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.